This podcast is intended for adult audiences. Over the age of 18, it contains adult language and situations. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to us, and not of any employer, organization, committee, or other group or individuals. This podcast is not intended to be taken as professional advice. Welcome to the Swing Nation Podcast, a podcast by swingers for swingers, where we look to educate others and push back on the negative stigmas and misconceptions associated with our lifestyle. Come with us and share our pineapple journey as we travel the globe, interview the experts, learn and grow together. Join the nation. So Lacey, people are asking, how do they get to go to a party or an event with us? They check out swingersociety.net. You create a profile, you sign up for an event, and you come hang out with us. It's super easy. That's right. If you want to party with us and the other faces and names that you know from social media and TikTok, head on over to swingersociety.net. Can't wait to see you there. Sexual health care can be so much more than STI testing. WISP offers services like emergency contraception, helping delaying your period, UTI treatments, and so much more. They even have a product called the OMG Cream that helps provide more fulfilling orgasms for women. WISP provides same-day prescriptions and can give you discreet treatment in the comfort and privacy of your own home. Check out the link in our show notes or go to hellowisp.com and use code SWING for 15% off. Most people have unprotected oral sex, right? Be honest. Now think about your last STD test. Did your doctor tickle your throat with something that looked like a giant Q-tip? Probably not. Yet that's the only way to check for oral gonorrhea or chlamydia, which are often asymptomatic. You need a better doctor. You need shamelesscare.com. Use coupon code TSN at checkout. Hey there, pineapple people, and welcome to the Swing Nation podcast. We are your hosts, Northern Guy and Southern Girl. And today we got a special episode for you. We got Lauren Hayes joining us, and she is a lifestyle coach. Uh, And she also does retreats. She teaches seminars. Um, So welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Hi, thank you. Uh, So where we like to start when we have guests on is just a little bit of uh, get to know you. So if, if, if you're comfortable just sharing a little bit about yourself, what you do, maybe kind of how you discovered the lifestyle, uh, and then maybe how you got into lifestyle coaching, because that's that's an interesting question as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, my husband and I have been in lifestyle for over five years, and I think that how we got in is kind of an interesting question because this question always comes up is, <laughs> you know, how to bring this up to your partner. And I, I think we'll touch on that. <clears throat> and, you know, he basically just turned to me one day and he was like, I feel like there's something more. And I was like, what do you mean by more? I mean, I that's kind of an <laughs> ominous say, statement. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? That's, that's <laughs> pretty loaded. That yeah. could go a lot I of ways. Yeah. He was like, I don't really even know. And like, we had had some, um, experience with some polyamorous friends before not experience sorry we just had some polyamorous friends and so I was like so you want to be polyamorous and he was like I don't think so and my other thing was like I thought we were really happy and he's like I am really happy (laughs) so Mm -hmm. this really was a conversation about just adding something but you know when you're the other partner sometimes it doesn't always sound like that 
Um, anyway, so we uh, decided to start exploring together online. We did both did a lot of research. And then ultimately what helped us the most, I would say, was as many people, we discovered the book, The Ethical Slut. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, we started reading that chapter by chapter. And every week we would discuss, you know, the next thing. And this is interesting and this is not interesting and all the things. And um, yeah, it took us, I don't know, not too long to take a a toe step in. And we went to a sex club. We went to Trapeze in Atlanta and didn't talk to anybody. (laughs) We didn't talk to anybody. (laughs) We were just, you know, flies on the wall. And we did have sex, just the two of us. But, um, you know, just kind of toe-stepped in and then, uh, you know, decided we were liking all of it and jumped into a full swap weekend and it's kind of been go ever since. Um, how I got into right. the coaching, sorry, did you? <laughs> no, that was going to be my next okay, thing. I was going to yeah. say, so you, you find the lifestyle, you, you have an experience and, and you're just, you're driven by that. You're like, this is amazing and pe- more people need to know about it. Or I mean, how yes, does that transition? A, a bit of that. Also my whole adult life, like personal growth, development, um, spirituality, all of that has been, you know, my part-time job really. <laughs> it's like what I do and I'm really, and I've always really been into it. And so kind of around the same time, I went into um, a little bit of a midlife. I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And so I started thinking about that. And then because I did have such great feelings about lifestyle and what it can offer people. And then also that combined with a lot of my background and personal growth stuff already, um, I decided to go into coaching. So I did a life coaching program and then I layered in some Gottman relationship training. Lifestyle coaching. I don't, this is a term that I don't even know if I'm was super familiar with before, before talking to you. Can, Can you just give us some broad strokes of what that, what that is and what that means? Yeah. For me, it is relationship coaching for people who want to be non-monogamous or are non-monogamous. So, you know, if you go to a regular coach, relationship coach or therapist, I think the concern is rightfully so that, okay, they're just going to tell us to stop doing lifestyle stuff. Like if that's bringing up issues, we're going to be like, okay, well, don't do that. (laughs) So um, that's where uh, lifestyle coaches and therapists can be particularly helpful because, and I always recommend people see someone because there's a lot of uh, coaches and therapists who say they're lifestyle or non-monogamous friendly. That is different than having experience in it. And, you know, I'm never going to say everybody can find their own fit and talk to people, but I think it's a little leg up to have somebody who has lifestyle experience themselves, just kind of know that emotional intensity and the different things that can come up. So the coaching can be either helping people through maybe things that have come up for them that are becoming issues and, or if they want to get into it and they're just not sure how, or they're really afraid or, you know, all the things. Right. So we did our pre-interview with you. We pretty much agreed that on this episode, you're going to be our, our lifestyle coach. You're going to coach us or, not really us, the listeners more than us, um, <laughs> on some of the, the common questions that get brought up yeah. when uh, couples are you know looking to enter into the lifestyle. So we're going to go over some of that, hey, I'm interested in swinging and how do I do that um, questions. But I think before we get niched down into that, I, I do want to talk a little bit kind of what you brought up, that conversation that you had with your husband, because I think that's it might be the number one question we get is that, hey, I've seen you on TikTok. We've listened to your podcast. 
I'm really interested in this, but I'm afraid to bring this up to my partner. Mm-hmm. And how do I do that? And, you know, we've, I think we've, we actually did a whole podcast episode we on did, this. We did, but it's really just you and I's opinion mm-hmm. of what we feel like would work. And truth be told is we never had to have that conversation because we met in the lifestyle. So we're just, we're kind of giving you our uneducated <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> advice um, as to how, like, we've heard friends do it. So I'm interested to see how somebody that actually knows what they're talking about would answer this. (laughs) Yeah. So a couple things. One of the things that my husband did correctly, unknowingly, is um, he actually saying, I don't know what more means in a way was good because one of the things that I really caution people from doing is going out, doing a bunch of research on their own, figuring out everything, looking at what looks fun. You know, I think it would be fun if we became a swinger and we can do this and go to this club and whatever. So then when you're approaching your partner, you have an idea of what you're actually asking for and it becomes a proposition instead of the big word that I want to use in this conversation is an exploration. So in general, you want to keep it an exploration for the two of you, because then it's something that you're doing together instead of, Hey, I, I figured all out all this stuff. Now I just need you to say yes or no. So that's the difference between the proposition and the exploration. Like, Hey, I've heard about this stuff. This sounds interesting to me. Is it interesting to you? Or like, do you want to explore it together? That is a very different conversation. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think we've ever really even talked about that, but I can see how if, you know, if you're listening to podcasts and you've done, you know, weeks or days or months of research and you have all this information and you just come at your partner with it, they're going to be overwhelmed. They're yeah. be like, I have no idea what yeah. you're talking about. And this sounds scary. And, <laughs> yes. and why do you feel this way? And, and am I not like you, the kind of like what your initial reaction to your husband was, am I not good enough? Exactly. Uh, that could very much feel overwhelming. So it almost sounds like you're suggesting if you get the inkling that you might be interested in this, you should bring it up to your partner right away. I do think that. So like, So first of all, I do want to say I actually have a free webinar that I give that is called Popping the E&M Question. And so we'll go, it goes much deeper into all these points. But really lightly, one of the phases that I call, um, you know, kind of your personal prep, I call it research light because Mm -hmm. there are two reasons for that. One, you don't want to get too attached to the thing you think you want because unless you have been in lifestyle before, you don't even know what you're asking for. (laughs) And you're not going to really figure that out by going online. But when I say research light, I think what can be helpful is to know, you know, there's the umbrella term of non-monogamy, then there's polyamory, and then there's swinging, and then there's all the things in between, and there's just kink, and like all these other kind of subcategories. It's kind of um, it would, it's nice. So that like in my question, in my conversation with my husband, when I was like, what does more mean? And he was like, I have no idea. Like, if you can answer that question, like, what do you mean by that? That might be all you need. Like, Helpful. I, I think swinging looks attractive, but I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, I think that's yeah. the point is you don't want to come in with, um, really hard and set expectations. I had to have one caveat to that though. Some people, feel, you know, identify as non-monogamous or identify as polyamorous. And like they're they're discovering that this is a part of them that they really need to fulfill or that non-monogamy is not, or sorry, monogamy is not working for them. Even then, 
it's still an exploration with your partner to see how you could find something that could work. Yeah. No, that's, that's a does valid Does that make point. sense? It, yeah, yeah, it totally does. And, you know, and you know, I don't know if you've listened to our podcast, but in our episode where we talk about it, it's the same, we come to the same conclusion is essentially when you come to your partner, it needs to be about you and your partner exploring together and not, I want this or I want that. Because I think if you come with that, I want this, or, you know, I have these needs that are unfilled or I have these fantasies that are unfilled. Um, that becomes a very off-putting. Like they feel like they're not enough. And, and Yeah, but I can also see how that's super easy to do. Mm-hmm. Like especially oh, yeah. if you're watching things online or listening to podcasts, you're like, oh, this sounds amazing. I want to do this. So I can understand why people come in with that. Um, not trying to be mean, not trying to hurt anybody. Right. They're it's, just excited they're about just the excited. idea. They're just excited. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I think we could do a whole podcast episode on that. We absolutely we, we could. have. And it sounds like you have a whole course. <laughs> uh, so definitely go check uh, both those out if, if people are, are interested in more information on how to ask the question. Okay. So let's move on from that. And let's assume they've asked the question, the couple has had the conversation, and now they're interested. Um, this really is kind of goes back to like our history of how we got started in all mm-hmm. this. You know, when we far- first started going on TikTok, we were getting overwhelmed with that question. Mm-hmm. There were so many people that seemed like they were interested in the idea of swinging, of being monogamous, but just had no idea of where to turn to or what to do to explore that that realm. So I guess when couples come to you, mm-hmm. how what how do you coach them? What's the first? What's the kind of the, some of the first steps? Yeah. So. Actually, in the popping the ENM question, after you do your light research, the last phase of that, if you know, if there is some interest from your partner, is actually the true research phase. And I feel like that can be really bonding already and helpful in the sense that there is so much information and so many podcasts and you know, a lot more than there used to be. And so that can be a very safe way <laughs> for you to start exploring it from your home, from your seat. And then you can start talking about, you know, I, you don't have to be sitting in front of your computers together, obviously, but like bringing articles to your partner or books, or let's listen to this podcast together. And then just discussing from that, like, oh, that's interesting. That sounds fun. That doesn't sound fun. And then always, always, always the why. Like, why is that interesting to you? Why does that sound fun to you? And um, the other thing that I will say about the popping the question and or this phase is really getting honest with yourselves of what you want to get out of lifestyle. And the main, main red flag is, are you trying to fix anything between you by doing this? It's that's, as we all know, and you've said a hundred times on your podcast, like that's not a good reason to get into it. But sometimes it takes a minute to get honest with yourselves um, about it, especially when you are approaching your partner. But also then when you're in this exploration, like the whys and like, is it sexual adventure? Is it sexual variety? Is it connections with other people? Is it the social scene? And like, there are a lot of aspects to it that just having those conversations of why you're attracted to it, then can alleviate a lot of those worries for both partners about, you know, what their partner is getting excited about. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up. So I was, I was looking at your website before before this interview. And uh, I noticed in a section, you were like, I'm the coach for you if 
you know, you hit a roadblock or you're curious about non-monogamy or, you know, you want to explore your fantasies with your partner. And then under that, it says, I'm not the, the coach for you. If you're looking to fix your relationship or you think this is going to solve a problem in your relationship. Um, and I found that very interesting. And I think that is a valid point. And uh, we've had that discussion, you know, like you said, several times on this podcast and, and other uh, platforms is that I think part of why non-monogamy gets a bad rap is a lot of couples do have problems with their sex lives or have relationship issues. And, you know, they turn to swinging as like, oh, well, we're not having good sex. Let's go become swingers and that will make us have good sex. You know what I mean? And that, I think that's important and, and something worth worth discussing real quick. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, if, I think that's what I say is if your relationship is like failing and you're using this as an attempt to save your relationship, then I am not the coach for you. Because if the relationship is failing, that's a much deeper, you know, therapy type. Right. Um, you need to go get a relationship therapist to yes, work on your relationship first. And work on first, your right? relationship first. And actually, yeah. yeah. And that's what I tell people too, in that first phase of like, even considering talking to their partner about it, when you get honest with yourself about, is there something in our relationship that I'm trying to fix? Like I'm not happy with our sex life or whatever. Then I'm not saying never do non-monogamy. I'm just saying, go fix that thing in your relationship first. That's the conversation to have with your partner. Like, Hey, I'm not that happy in our sex life. <laughs> And mm -hmm. I would love to explore fixing that with you and then go do that. And then you may or may not be interested in non-monogamy at that point. If you're feeling fulfilled in your own sex life, maybe that was just the aspect that you were attracted to. If you are still attracted to it, you can then approach non-monogamy when you guys are on a more solid foundation. Yeah, no, I think that's that's so important and definitely worth talking about. Okay, but, but hold on. But how many people do you think are really truly looking at themselves and saying, "Okay, our marriage is on the rocks, and I only want to do this"? I feel like most people that don't like when you go to a swinger club and you run across these people, do you think they truly are in a place where they will admit that? Yeah, and that's. I mean, it's a valid question, but I. Th I mean, I think the people know. Like, you know, what I mean, like if you yeah. if you were like. I'm not happy with the amount of sex I'm having with Dan. And so I'm going to see if he'll take me to a sex club so I can get fucked real good. Like, you know that. <laughs> like, you might not tell me that. And you might not tell your friends that. But I think you know that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Or and will think, you admit you know, it to yourself, though, even? It may be like an unconscious, like, well, I just want to get fucked. If you're listening and you're in that situation, and I think Lauren might agree, but I'll, we'll get her take on it after, is – if you're not honest with yourself and your partner and you go down this road, it's, it's probably going to spell doom for you and your relationship. Probably right? quicker than if you just kept going the way that you were going. Right. So That's I, I think you have yeah. to be honest with yourself because if, if you aren't honest with yourself and you kind of try to push that to the side and pursue this path, you, you're probably going to end up hurting more than you end up helping. And I'm, I'm curious what Lauren's take on that. Yeah. And I think being honest with yourself is a skill that people do hone being in the lifestyle. <laughs> so yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, if they are not capable of being honest with themselves at that stage before they get into it, that is going to come up for them in a big way, even with their own boundaries, you know, because we all know it looks really fun and sexy from the outside because it is really fun and sexy when you're doing it in a healthy way. And so, but when you get in there, that's a very different story. Right. And so, mm -hmm. um, that's when you have to start getting honest with yourself about things you do want, things you don't want, things you like, things you don't like. So I would say that, and I actually, when I, on one of my blog posts says the most important aspect of going into non-monogamy is having 
self-awareness. I would say that's actually one of the most important traits. So if you have self-awareness, your partner has self-awareness, which is really just like a, like being honest with yourself and recognizing your own emotions, right? That is going to facilitate your ability to operate within lifestyle. And even then, even you're like, yeah, we're totally self-aware people. We can do this. It is going to hone those skills, like I said. And so, um, yeah. So even if like, to your point, if they're not honest with themselves, they're going to get honest with themselves. And I think also to our other point, that is what can facilitate the doom of the relationship. If they're right. trying to use yeah. this to fix right. something. And hopefully that's why you, we get the bad rap. That, yeah. When you hit that honesty wall, eventually yeah. hopefully it's not a catastrophic <laughs> event. For well, yeah. But it could pro- be. It'll probably happen the first time you walk into a swinger <laughs> club. You might do all this work and then walk in and somebody touch somebody wrong. And you know, mm-hmm. that person. Well, you could do all the right work and still oh, be yeah, treated like you that. You can. Yeah. yeah. But, but if there's issues in the marriage or relationship, it's just going to yeah. cast a light on it. Yeah. We've seen it. I mean, I, we've seen it a hundred times is, you know, mm-hmm. people show up at clubs and they start to th- get to drinking and then it's like, fuck him. And he's an asshole. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm just here because I need, need some good dick because he hasn't fucked me good. And it's like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Like, you guys need to go somewhere or else. Or as this soon as not, somebody starts drinking. And you can see, yeah. like, couples just running from them. Like, yes, <laughs> like yes. they have the plague, you know. But uh, it happens. But uh, it's unfortunate to see. And, and honestly, it doesn't happen as much as people might think. I know. You said 100. That is, I think, a little bit right. much. We've probably seen it, like, he exaggerates four or a lot. five times. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I relate to that. I do, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So when we've talked to couples about this, we've said all the same things that you said, have an honest conversation with your partner, do, you know, do some research. Uh, and then it usually, before we encourage people to like get out there, we, we kind of say like, you should really set your rules and boundaries with you and your partner, like have this, this honest, honest conversation that we're talking about. Um, I'm curious what your take, you know, I don't think we've ever really got into the details of that because I, I think if you really do sit down and have a conversation with your partner about rules and boundaries, maybe let, you know, Lacey wants to have orgies and I just want to go, you know, have same room sex with people. How do you negotiate that rule and boundary setting with your partner? Is there a negotiation? There's definitely, whenever you want different things, there's always negotiation, right? So, um, well, the first thing that I would say when people are like ready to take their first steps is, you know, always safe. We want everyone feeling safe. And so I'm always an advocate of taking baby steps. So, um, and the reason is because, I think when you're getting into lifestyle, we're all signing up for pushing ourselves into discomfort. We're in uh, outside of our comfort zone. So, you know, if we start here and we're going to push ourselves this far outside of our comfort zone. Okay. I like that. That was good. Okay. All right. Let's next time. Let's try this. Then you're expanding over time. But if you start here and then the first night you go like this, (laughs) and you freak the hell out. And then the next time you're actually going to constrict because you're going to have so much fear about it that um, it's going to be, you know, kind of that much more emotionally challenging for you to try the next thing. So that's why I advocate uh, baby steps like that. Within those baby steps, the negotiation of the boundaries or agreements, and I like to call them agreements I call them both because the community more calls them boundaries and I want people to know what I'm talking about, but I like agreements because a boundary is something that you set to keep yourself safe. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of up to other people, whether they're going to follow that or not, and then up to you how you want to handle it when they don't. 
Right. If it's your partner, you're actually making an agreement about what the two of you are going to kind of do as a as a unit, if you will. And so that's why I like to call yeah. it more of an agreement than a boundary. But even within those agreements, the point of them is to keep each other feeling safe. So if I would also say you're generally safer to default to the person who is feeling less safe because we want, you know, again, that little baby steps thing is going to ultimately expand everyone. But if you push that person too far out of their comfort zone, then you're going to have a lot of work to do later. And it's not impossible. People recover from stuff all the time, but I'm just saying in an ideal world, that is what you want to do. And I think to your point, Lacey, you don't always know. So then you get into that situation mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I thought this was going to be fine. It's not fine. <laughs> it's not fine. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so there's negotiation before, and then there can be negotiation during. I generally um, advise people to shy away from the kind of negotiation that is you want more in the night, but you can definitely negotiate for less and not that you can't negotiate for more, but um, there are lots of situations where people are like, okay, we're going to go out and we're only going to like kiss or whatever. But then they meet this couple that they're just really driving with. And they're like, they end up, you know, full I would sp- love the fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> they end up in that situation. Okay. I, you know, that's fine. You could always renegotiate in the moment. Just, you know, really make sure, like really separate yourselves from the other couple, look each other in the eye and be like, we are both on the same page here that this is what we want. Because you never want to get into the situation again, where one person is doing it to please their partner. And when you're talking about boundaries and agreements, they can seem a little arbitrary the first time you go out because you, again, this is all new experiences. You don't really even know, but it's kind of nice to stick to these agreements, even if they're arbitrary, because it builds safety. So is because you're building trust and safety each time you go out. So as long as you're, even if you're like, yeah, we could do more, but like, let's not, because we said we weren't going to tonight. And then you're like, you have this like bubble of trust going on. I totally like that. I I like not changing in the moment because I'm the type of person that if I know Dan really wants to do it and I would be, I would be the one to be like, well, okay. And then the next morning I'm a little frustrated that he put me in that situation. Yes. yes. And if really and truly that couple was everything that you thought they were going to be and worth like doing that, then they will probably be one. They should respect that boundary. And two, you can make like an, like we can make plans, plans again, for another yeah. night, even if they're from another state or whatever. Like, yeah. your marriage is more important to me than that one night of fun. Yeah. That's, and that's my take on that. Exactly. And that's why I'm saying negotiating for more is, yeah, you know, I'm not going to say yeah. it yeah. never happens and it never works. But negotiating. Well, it definitely happens, but yeah. it's not a good idea. Yeah, and, it's, and I think more not a good idea because what we see in these situations is people get to the club. They get to having some drinks, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know. Then they're around a bunch of friends who, listen, we we try not to do it, but there's peer pressure, right? Yeah. If everybody else is going back to an orgy room and they're like, "Hey, are you guys coming with us?" It's hard to be that person that to say no, right? You yeah. want to. So if you and your partner said, "Hey, we're just going to go and we're going to just have sex ourselves," you know, somewhere, and there's three or four hot couples who are like, "Hey, guys, you want to come to this orgy?" And then your partner looks at you and is like, "Hey, let's go." That puts you in a very bad yes. Yeah, because you don't want to let right. your partner down. Like, you know, like, and and you might really want to do it too, but you also want to honor that. Right. 
Um, but the, on the flip side, there's a way to do both. Um, you could go and just play with your right. partner in that room and just enjoy that sexy atmosphere yeah. and still maintain that agreement that you that you made prior to coming. So there's ways to do more you know, more than just like, no, we can't come yeah, back. And, I, and I'm happy you brought that up because I, I think a lot of couples, especially that what are newer to the lifestyle, don't realize necessarily that they can use their voice like that, mm-hmm. right? They can say, hey, actually, we would really like to go to that orgy room with you. But just so you know, our boundaries for tonight are we're just going to have sex with each other. So we'd love to go back there with you, but we're just going to have sex with each other. And honestly, if you say that, it, what should happen is all those people yeah. are like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, come on. Let's, let's yeah. do it. You know and I mean? we've had people that we've met at swinger clubs that are brand new. And we've said that, hey, if you, we would love for you to join us, but if nobody will – Touch, touch you, you yeah. nobody, just so like help them feel comfortable. more comfortable. And, and to be honest, just kind of go back to like if you should negotiate at the time. I think that's more of like a learned skill. Like at this point, Dan and I have been doing this long enough that if we set that boundary and then we met this like amazing couple and we kind of stepped aside and said, now right. I feel like we've had the maturity and we've learned enough that we – could make that decision and feel comfortable for the next day. But when you're so very new in the lifestyle, I think no matter how strong your marriage is or your communication, I just think that that's just kind of a thing you have to learn. Well, and that, you know, the whole stepping to the side thing, I think is, is so huge. I, mm-hmm. I've loved it when couples that said to us, Hey, I really like you guys coming back. You know, we'd, we'd love to go back to the playroom with you guys. Why don't you guys go take a minute and talk it over and come back and let us know. I know. I love and, that too. You know, whatever you decide, whatever mm-hmm. you decide is fine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that's, because in that moment when they're trying to like drag you, not drag you back, but when they're trying to pull yeah. you back to a playroom and, and encourage you, you don't necessarily always get that moment with your yeah. partner to have a real honest conversation. Yeah. But if you step to the side or go outside for a minute or go wherever and have a little private chat, sometimes that's all you need. And, and mm-hmm. then you can make a real true um, kind of informed decision about what you're And doing. I agree. I love that when the couples that we're meeting do that because then I know we're talking to a healthy couple. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, people think, isn't that going to be awkward? Like, no, it's actually really encouraged. <laughs> a lot of the things that you think are awkward when, when it happens, usually you're like, oh, thank God somebody did that. You know, somebody said something like Dan's done it, you know, like when we play with people, this is off the topic, but like where we're like, okay, what is everybody's boundaries before we get started? Because really nobody wants to stop. Everybody wants to just jump in and have this hot sex, but you really need someone that is comfortable enough to like say, okay, everybody pause. Let's talk it out. What are we comfortable with? What what are we not? So I, I think that, and then even like you start like, hey, I don't do anal yeah, sex. You know yeah. I mean? Like you throw some out first so that other people get comfortable with saying what yes. they're – because some people, you know, what's everybody's rules and boundaries? Oh, I'm good with whatever. And everybody yeah. just wants to be like, oh, yeah, I'm good with whatever. It's like, well, no, we're not okay with yeah. – you're going to use condoms with us. We're not yeah. doing anal sex. And then people are like, oh, well, I don't want anal sex either. And, you know, like it kind of yeah, encourages exactly. that conversation. Well, and it always seems like a hard thing to do. But once somebody does it, you're like, oh, okay, good. I'm glad. Just like stepping, if you want to step away, yeah. have a conversation. Yeah. That, you know, I think it's always good to be that guy, be that girl that does that. 
Well, and I think you touched on the voice aspect. So we've talked about self-awareness. Like I think you actually have to have some of that before coming in. But then the two things that you'll really hone is that getting honest with yourself. And Lacey, I want to address something that you said in a second. And also that voice. So like Mm -hmm. I am also the person in our relationship that's going to want to go along with things in order for everyone Mm -hmm. to be happy. And that was something that took me some time to recognize. Like I get Mm -hmm. really resentful when I do that. And so Mm -hmm. that getting honest with yourself piece and like checking in with yourself in the moment. Like these are all skills that you will develop and you'll develop them probably by making some mistakes. <laughs> Trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I can just think of like, off the, you know, I've always said that the lifestyle taught me to like speak up for myself. I don't think like mainstream dating or like I've always, I've never really gotten myself in situations with somebody that, I didn't want to be intimate with, or I've never, the lifestyle kind of puts you in these positions where you have to speak up for yourself or talk to your partner. And just me and Dan have been swinging for a long time and we still make mistakes. Like not long ago, maybe this summer we were hanging out with some friends and they all wanted us to go back to like a house and have fun. And I knew that we had to get up at like seven in the morning. And Dan was like, we're going, we're staying up all night. Like he was ready. And I was like, no, I'm not going. Like, I know that if we go, I'm not going to want to get up at seven and I'm going to have a terrible day tomorrow and I'm not going to be a good mom and all because I'm going to be feeling like shit. And I had to really, like, really, really use my voice because everybody was against me. Everybody wanted us to go. And I was very frustrated with Dan because, and really, he just wanted to go have fun. And so I had to stand up for myself. And then the next day, then I had to have a conversation with him and say, hey, I know you're having fun. I know you were drinking, but this is why I didn't want to go. He's like, no, you are 100% right. And I'm glad you did what you did. So this is definitely important for the beginning of the lifestyle, but it continues throughout Absolutely. the lifestyle. It doesn't stop. Yeah. yeah. And that's sorry, Dan. And sorry, I would say actually no, that <laughs> like what we're talking about is why coaches and therapists can be helpful because there is such a progression and there are also skills that you will continue to use throughout and you will continue to, you know, make some mistakes, but especially in the beginning, that's where a coach and a therapist can be so helpful. Yeah. Cause I've definitely learned that. Like in the beginning, I would have probably just been like, okay, let's go. And then the next morning when I was feeling like shit, I would be like cussing <laughs> him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, why didn't you just say you didn't want to go? And you're like, because everybody wanted yeah. to go. Yeah, so. so we've learned that. Yes, yes. All right. I think now is the perfect time to take a little break and hear from the partners and sponsors of the Swing Nation podcast. Uh, and then when we get back, I want to get into some some more nuanced stuff, uh, maybe how to reject people um, and you know some of, the, some of the more nuanced parts of the lifestyle. Right. Okay. Sounds great. All right. We'll be right back, guys. We here at the Swing Nation podcast are proud to partner with Promescent. Listen, guys, we've all been there. You're having a hot night with a hot chick, maybe a few hot chicks, but you need to kind of delay the time before you pull that trigger. That's where Promescent comes in. They have this awesome product called the Delay Spray. You literally spray it on and it delays the time that you orgasm so you can make sure that your partner is well taken care of. And as swingers, we're all about making sure our partners are well taken care of. And Promescent Delay Spray is the perfect product for that. Click the link in the show notes below to get yours today. Anxiety can cause ED. 
like the kind you get while watching your partner with someone else. You're having the time of your life, yet are having stage fright. Most men in the lifestyle use prescription ED medication for this reason. Shameless Care should be your provider. Shameless is less expensive than other companies and has a 50-state network of physicians who are lifestyle-friendly. Use coupon code TSN for $30 off. Shamelesscare.com. Hey, Swing Nation listeners, it's Dan here, and I want to know why you haven't checked out Cassidy.com yet. Cassidy is a lifestyle website where you can connect with other swingers, see lifestyle events near you, and chat with attendees, as well as post travel plans to meet up with pineapple people across the country. We want you to try Cassidy completely risk-free by using the 90-day Elite Membership Trial link in our show notes or by going to theswingnation.info and clicking on the Cassidy banner under Favorite Apps and Products. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, all right, I think we've we've got through – we were just talking about it on the break there. We got through one question so far <laughs> of the list of questions we had for Lauren. So Yeah, uh, so we got to stay on task. Well, we're not good at that. But no, we're not. We're going to get back on task. All right, yeah. so our, our second question for you, and this is – okay, so you're in the lifestyle. Ultimately, you're going to have to deal with rejecting people Um and how do you do that? And it, this is something I think we still we struggle, struggle with. So with I'm, it. I'm really yeah, please would. please counsel us on how to no, reject okay. people because we're not Just we're not to good make at it. Everybody we're feel not. better. I still struggle with this too. To some extent, <laughs> I have a funny example of, of this, but I want to reframe rejection a little bit because. All right. So when people are getting into lifestyle, there's a lot of fear because some people think there's an expectation. Of I'm going to walk into this place and people are going to expect me to play or participate in some way that I'm not comfortable or, you know, and I always kind of joke that conversely, there's somebody out there who's hoping that is the case. Like, I'm just going to walk into this oh, place sure. and people are going yeah. to jump yeah, all for over sure. me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I, I really think, you know, I don't mean to stop you, but I really think it seems like people that aren't in the lifestyle and I'm, it's hard for me to like remember back before I knew what it was, like what I thought it was. But it really does seem like people think they're going to walk through the doors mm-hmm. of this club and there's going to be an orgy going on in the middle <laughs> of the room and everybody's going to turn and look at them and be like, you're, you're jumping in this orgy. Yeah. Like that seems yeah. to be <laughs> the idea that people yes. have is yeah. that's yeah. what a swinger event is, is there's a big orgy going on. And as soon as you walk in, people are going to want you to jump into that. And orgy. Everybody's fucking everybody. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So that is a preconceived notion and makes it concerning for people getting into it. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. because that is not the case, and I think we can all agree that that's a comforting Correct. thought that that is not the <laughs> case. Rejection just becomes your lever for that dynamic to be there. (laughs) So rejection is not just, it's not mean rejection. You know, it's, it's everybody holding boundaries and creating an atmosphere that everybody's comfortable and only doing what they want. And so that kind of reframes rejection a little bit because we even hear the term rejection and it like takes us back to our middle school crush, you know, or whatever. And Mm -hmm. this is like a different form. And The other thing I, you know, people know they're going to be rejected and they generally seem much more fine with that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I know. I know we're going to get rejected. You know, we expect that. But why rejecting others is so much harder is we just hate hurting people's feelings. Right. But just remembering that we're not doing this in a hurtful way. And 
the other people have the same attitude that we have of like, I know we're going to get rejected sometimes and that's fine. So just remembering that those people think that also can help it seem a little easier to say, you know what, we're just not really interested tonight. Yeah. So I guess is that you know that we always get asked this, and that's that's always our answer is like one we are not good at this, yeah. But the best the best practice is to just be completely honest. If people come up to you and said, "Hey, would you like to go to a playroom?" The best answer is, "Hey, no, thank you," or "or yeah. we're good," you know, like mm-hmm. just tell them, "Hey, no, we're we're no, thank you," or you know, yeah. And I think no, yeah, because it's so hard. It's easy to say like, "Oh, we're not playing tonight," or "Oh, she doesn't like girls." Oh, my or- wife's on her period. Like those are the easy things to like <laughs> default to, but yeah. like. Don't do that because then when they see you in the playroom with a different couple later exactly. that night, you just made an enemy. You know, you just yeah. you just had created a lot more hurt feelings than had to yeah. be. Yeah, exactly. And like, there's always like, you know, we think you're great. We're just not interested in playing with you. Or like, we think you're really mm-hmm. fun to hang out with. And like, maybe we could be friends, but we're just, you know, the four-way chemistry isn't there. Or there's a lot of like soft ways of saying it where you can still be direct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not right now. No, thank you. Not yeah. interested right I now. I struggle with yeah, that. Yeah, it's so it's it's really really it's a hard thing to do. And I you know I even struggle more with there are people in the lifestyle that I like. Like we have oh, friends that I yeah. care about, and I think they're good people, and I, I really like being around them and hanging out with them. But I'm not necessarily sexually interested in them, right? I'm just mm-hmm. not I'm not into them in that way where I want to have sex with them. And it's so hard to navigate that because like I value your friendship so much, and I don't want to lose that by by you know denying you know rejecting you in a sexual way so it's it's a hard that's a hard thing to navigate for me and we've also got became such good friends with people like if we would have just fucked in the beginning we probably would have been okay but now we've just never we've never had sex with each other and so now it's like a little weird and so it's like hard to kind of go back on that so we kind of struggle with that sense and we just don't know how to be kind and still maintain those friendships, but still be honest with our feelings. So that's really, I know this is not a personal counseling <laughs> session, but just that's where we really struggle. And I, I think other people can probably relate to them. I think they can too. And I think I can too, because ultimately we're, we don't want to hurt other people's feelings. Right. And generally speaking, being direct is usually the least amount of hurt feelings in the long run. And I'm also acknowledging that it's hard to have those conversations and those awkward conversations. And especially if you don't see people all the time, but I mean, with, I I have met couples of all different stages. Like we met and we played all the time, but we just grew into these really close friends. And then we didn't want to be playing anymore. We didn't want to, you know, jeopardize our friendship in any way, or we, you know, felt like it was getting too close or whatever the reason is. But having that conversation, I mean, you just kind of have to bite the bullet and be like, can I have a really awkward conversation with you? (laughs) <laughs> and most likely yeah. they'll be like, oh, we wanted to have the same same conversation with you. But yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. No, no, it's not. And I don't know. It's, it comes up so much. Uh, I think, I think there's a lot of people that struggle with that, that whole subject. And I, I, I do think it's right that being direct is the best answer. Cause ultimately if, if you're not direct with them, especially if it's like, you're it's saying a friend come. that you're going to encounter, you know, if it's a, you go to some random club and reject somebody. It's not a big deal. But if it's a friend that you know you're going to see at the club again and stuff like that, you can tell them. I can say, yeah, Lacey's 
feeling sick right now and we're not playing tonight and that's fine but you're going to see them the next time you go and the next time and eventually you're going to exactly. have to have that conversation yeah i've i've found that rejecting people that i don't have a, like a relationship with a friendship with is it's not a problem like especially like in group settings when people like try to join right. i'm very quick to say no thank you and i don't mind that i've right. kind of like learned that behavior and it's become much easier it's really when we have friendships with yeah. people because i think we just genuinely care about them and don't want them to hurt at all mm-hmm. yeah yeah and welcome to the world of having awkward and hard conversations <laughs> remember, remember when i said self-awareness was an important yeah. factor in lifestyle like i don't like to say this to people too early on because i don't want to scare them but i'm like also you're going on the personal growth journey of your life by going into non-monogamy because you are just going to learn a lot about yourself and your voice and your partner and your relationship. And yeah, it's amazing and it can be difficult. It will be difficult. It will be difficult sometimes. Yeah. Let's flip that on its head. And what happens when you're rejected? How do you deal with that? Because ultimately it's going to happen, right? Cry in the corner. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't think that's <laughs> that's not the right way. No, I'm just joking. I mean, you can. I was joking. <laughs> you cry. Wait, you cry when you get home like a lady. Mm-hmm. You don't do it in front of the people. <laughs> that's right. Don't give them the satisfaction of seeing it. <laughs> no, because nobody likes it. It hurts. You uh-huh. know, I'm joking. Don't cry because everybody gets rejected, but it, well, it, it's not fun. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up this question because I feel like more people prepare themselves for rejection than for rejecting others. I think it's kind of a human nature thing. Like let's prepare ourselves for the worst a little bit. So, you know, and if you're, of course it might be a little hurtful, but again, if you just can remember the flip side, like I am going to be rejecting other people as well. Mm -hmm. I think the, makes you have compassion. Yeah, for, for sure. Probably. For yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I see most often in this rejection where this gets the hardest is in a couple where one partner thinks they're holding the other one back in some way. Mm-hmm. And so they keep mm-hmm. getting rejected and they think it's because of them. And, I, you know, I don't like to generalize, but often it's a guy <laughs> mm-hmm. and they, yeah. you know, they're like, my wife is so hot. Oh, if we get rejected, it's 100% me. <laughs> You think so? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't know. But anyway. And so that can really start to weigh on someone's real confidence. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes kind of a personal project for them. And it's, you know, yes, there's in the moment, yeah, I can accept that. But then that really has to be something they have to take on kind of as a personal growth thing for themselves. Like either am I really not taking my care of myself in the best way? And are there other things I could do to improve myself? But also, you know, as soon as you start ruining your confidence, that, you know, your mm-hmm. rejection is going to actually go up and it's going to feed that that issue. So I would say, Again, it's tricky. There's no easy answer, but that is where rejection could probably have the biggest impact is in that kind of dynamic. I also think like self-awareness, like we've really talked about that in this podcast, self-awareness. There's been a lot of times that like we weren't eager to like play with a couple, but they continue to message us. And instead of just being like point blank, we just kind of, you know, it keep it very surface level, very, and to not hurt their feelings. And I think like 
if people aren't responding, uh, you don't do something. Or if you're like following people around the club and you're not getting that like (laughs) given pull back, I think like. Unfortunately, we have to like, okay, well, maybe they're not into us. And there's yeah. been times where I've really been into somebody and I felt like I've not had to chase, but like I felt like I was a little too eager. And then I realized, okay, maybe they're not into me as much as I'm into them. Well, and I think Does you can that, get tricky you too. You what I'm saying? I think you can get mixed messages from a couple because maybe Correct, the guy can. is very interested and the woman is not or vice versa. We've yeah. had that situation too where like – they're like, oh, yeah, 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 we're interested. And then you're like, really? Because I'm not totally getting the vibe from your wife. Like, oh, oh, she is. Yeah. She is. Don't, you know, she is. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there are a lot of complicating factors, right? But um, ultimately, and I. But she, I'm sorry. No, I was ahead. just going to say, you know, I've had the very same too. And we're like, you count a little bit on people picking up on some social cues. And sometimes yeah. they don't. And that's when you just have to decide, like, I'm going to either be direct or this is just going to continue to be awkward for both of us. Yeah. All night. Yeah. I think that's the best way to go. Yeah. Okay. Shall we move on to this? This is my favorite question. Next. Well, I want to say, can we, can we I want to skip that one and actually go to the next one. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> well, I think this, I think it's just going to flow a little better. So okay. the question I would like to ask next, you know, and we've kind of talked about, okay, getting into the lifestyle, talking to your partner, you know, rejecting people. Uh, okay, so then ultimately, once it gets to play, and 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 partner swapping, um, what happens if you do it the first time and you don't like it? Like mm-hmm. you see your wife being pleased by another man; she's making all these noises, and that you, she's never made with you, right? And mentally in your head, you thought that was going to be really, really hot, mm-hmm. and then when you see it in person, you're mortified. Like what? Now, what do you do? Yeah. Well, first thing I do want to say, just from anecdotal experience and talking to people. I don't have stats behind this. I would say more often people are most concerned about that moment. And what if I don't like it? And more often than not, they do like it. (laughs) I would agree with that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So just to maybe alleviate some people's fears. And then if you don't like it, here's what I say. Like we talked about the negotiation part happening in the moment that you can always stop things. And so Mm -hmm. could it be awkward? Like, here's what the distinction that I'll make, you know, you hear a lot about the drama couple, nobody wants to be the drama couple. And like, you know, people are being highly emotional in the situation or whatever. And that's fine. How you avoid being the drama couple is as again, recognizing like, I am not liking what is happening here, finding that little break. And that might, if there's no break, it might mean going over to your partner and whispering, whispering in their ear, like I need a break. And then, mm-hmm. you know, again, right. taking that little time away to like reconvene and what ha- what's going on with you. And you know what? I thought I was going to like this and I am freaking out inside right now. And you're like, okay, we're going to put an end to this. You come back in, you know what? This, you know, this is not going well for us tonight. We're just not feeling it. And we're going to take a break. Is it a little awkward? Yes, maybe. Most people will understand. And B, would you rather have that kind of awkwardness or the kind of awkwardness where you wake up the next morning and you're just feeling bad about yourself and the choices you made and, you know, the things your partner did. And then you have a whole nother um, kind of ball of wax to deal with. But I do have actually something for that too. 
Yeah, and I think we can almost reframe that a little bit because, you know, I, I kind of reframe that as this is your first time and seeing your partner with somebody else. But I think for me and Lacey, there's been times where, you know, I'm doing things with a, a girl and Lacey loves it and she's into it and she's there cheering me on. Then there's been other times where I do maybe even the exact same thing. And because of her headspace that night, yeah. she's not feeling confident. Or the husband. Maybe that, you know, yeah. something about yeah. that female has triggered her. She's uncomfortable. You know, she gave her bad vibes or something like that. And she's not okay that night. And I think it's really important when you're in a play space and engaging that constant check-in with your partner. Yes. Uh, we've even had times where like, I, you know, like we, we meet a couple and they're like, yeah, I really, Dan, you know, we really want you to do things to her. And then I start and then I look over at her husband and I'm like, he is not okay. And like, you know, and I'll stop and be like, hey, you need to check on him. And sometimes they're even like, oh, no, he's fine. He's fine. It's like, no, 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 no. You, you need – we're stopping. You need to go check on, on your husband. And that's actually happened a lot of times. <laughs> like, I mean, and that sounds like it's like dramatic and a big deal, but it's really it's not. not. You know, it could just be – you know, it could be – I've even whispered in your ear before, I feel like – Right. You know, because I felt a little left out. So maybe like the guy was like really into watching his wife, but maybe like kind of still into me, but not like all the way. Or, or, or you have said, Hey, go check on your husband to a girl, but it doesn't, doesn't have to be a big, it it sounds crazy and it sounds like a lot of drama, but really and truly, it's not. It's not if you do it the right way. It's not. And also, what I love about what you just said is like you recognize, like in those moments, you recognize, like, I'm feeling left out. Well, you have a choice right mm-hmm. there of I can either rectify this for myself by communicating to mm-hmm. whomever I need to or finding something for myself to do or whatever. Yeah. Or, and this is where the self-awareness piece comes in. So for you to be like, I'm feeling left out and to say that to him is huge yeah. because you're saying, I well, feel left I'm, out. You're like, not saying you're leaving me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll, I'll brag on him because he immediately heard me and instead of being bad at me or, or he like, he could he could take care of two women at the same time. Yeah. You know, I just kind of like slid in there yeah. with him and her, and we and we just kind of like made. I just needed a little attention from him, and it immediately fixed it. And I could have just not said anything and waited till the next day, and we could have talked about it. And honestly, I probably would have been fine because, again, like we're to the point now that yes. I can like understand that. Yes. But it made my experience of that night so much better so much by better. that quick little, yeah, quick little comment. Yeah, and, kind of redirecting and fixing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it's easy to get, I think, I don't think all people realize it's easy to get up. And I don't even know if we're talking about the same time, but like, I think, you know, the, one of the times we're talking about is like, I was with a, a girl and then finished with her and then like went to go to a next girl and didn't realize that Lacey was kind of. That was like a different time. By herself. He's left me before. And and I've said it in front of everybody. I'm like, what about me? You know? And it wasn't, you just get caught up in the moment. It's not that I don't want to leave her out. I don't do it on purpose. It wasn't meaningful. There was no purpose by it. I was just (laughs) excited about what was going on and and, in the zone there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but as soon as she pointed out, I'm like, I'm, I felt like it's such an asshole. You know, like, of course I should have went and saw, was like, well, at least looked for her and seen what she was doing. You know? Yeah, kiss me something. Yeah. And what we're really talking about here is a co- concept called emotional sovereignty, which sounds very formal, but it's really just like taking responsibility for your own emotions. So in that moment, like I just said, you're saying, I feel left out. You're not turning to him and saying, you're leaving me out and like allowing that to hurt you. You're like taking responsibility for how you're feeling in that moment. And that is part of like 
also when I said I have, you know, if you do have drama one night and how to fix it, emotional sovereignty is really part of that conversation too. Like I was feeling this way, like nobody's making you feel any way. Maybe something you saw had you feel a certain way and you can talk about right. that. And that is a really important thing to talk about. But getting angry at the other person for making you feel that way is going to be a stopper in all the situations. But if you can, in the moment, recognize how you're feeling and take responsibility and fix that, that's like the gold standard. Yeah, I think that, you know, you say that it's really easy I think most people just in life do that, like project their feelings on their partner, right? Like I feel this way and it's your fault. I feel this way because you didn't do something different to make me feel different. But I like the way you're saying that, like really our feelings are our own and we yeah. take responsibility because for them. Like you just sure, used- there are things your partner could do to help with that, but ultimately the feelings are yours. Yeah. And you just use the example of like sometimes the same thing will upset our partner. Something we've done before upsets our partner on mm-hmm. another night. And so how could we expect our partner to, <laughs> to, to be, yeah, how could we expect our partner to know? Yeah. That? And so that's the other thing I was going to say, the opposite <laughs> side of emotional sovereignty that is really great is if, and of course these are all like ideal concepts, right? And like things happen in a different way when you're in them, but in an ideal world, if we both say, okay, we're emotional sovereign people and I'm not going to blame you for my feelings, then you know what else that alleviates it alleviates you Lacey or Dan from like looking around the room, like you want to check in with your partner, but you know, trying to guess how they're feeling in any particular moment is impossible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You might get it right sometimes, but that's why these little check-ins and the voicing of how you're feeling when you know your partner is taking responsibility for their own feelings, then you can trust that they're going to come to you when they're overwhelmed or when they're not liking it. And then it kind of allows you to relax, can relax a little bit. I mean, I feel like we all know those partners that are like so worried about their partner that they Mm -hmm. themselves cannot have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's, I mean, you want to, keep touching base and be in touch with your partner, but you don't want it to be, you are not responsible for their entire experience. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. uh, We actually know couples that do not do same room play. They do separate room play Mm -hmm. because they, that they know that's Hmm. who they are. Like they they can't get over that. I'm always worried about my partner and it it just doesn't, I don't, I can't enjoy the moment. So therefore we, me and my partner play separately um, because of that. Is that, is that, how do you, what are your feeling? I mean, is that a, a good thing or should they work on, you know I mean? Should you work on like what you're saying, the communication and, relaxing, and, and, and speaking yeah. up or I mean, maybe for some people, if you want that to, separate room? I mean, what do you want? If you want to be same <laughs> yeah. room and that feels like an obstacle, then you can do separate room and start working on taking small steps and getting into the same room. If you are perfectly mm-hmm. fine being in separate rooms and that's how you both like it, then fine you know every couple is gonna create what they ultimately want okay all right i'll let lacy get to her question since we're yeah, almost I out of time i want to hear your favorite question lacy it's what do you wear how do you dress <laughs> i get this question well because i love picking out outfits but a lot of and i say women because i feel like women come to me yeah. but i know men have the same like what the hell do you wear and especially people that 
follow us on TikTok see a lot of our elaborate outfits and they're like, I can't wear that. And so I think this is important. And also like want to say that when we first started going to swinger clubs, I would wear like little sundresses and stuff. And Dan would say I look like I was going to the PTA because <laughs> Like, I think now a lot of our costumes are, or outfits are, like, exaggerated, especially for social media. We, like, play into it even harder. But I've always told women, <clears throat> wear what makes you feel confident. Don't worry about the theme. If you don't like the theme, wear a little black dress has always been what I tell people. So I was curious to see what you tell people. Yeah, that's what I said, too. I say dress as sexy as you still feel comfortable. Because, um, you know, and I also tell people your wardrobe will change if you stay in Mm -hmm. lifestyle, you're going to have your lifestyle section of the closet. But if you're not going to feel comfortable that, especially, you know, the first nights out, then don't try to wear that because it's all about your comfort level. I have actually kind of a funny story I'll share that um, that first night we went to trapeze. Of course, I was very Mm -hmm. concerned about what I was supposed to wear. So I bought this tiny little black dress like definitely I was I thought I could be comfortable in it but it was a little outside of my comfort zone so as we're approaching uh the club I see some people milling out about front and they have like street clothes on and so I would not allow my husband to stop the car we're driving through the valet and I was like keep driving keep driving we are not getting out of this car And uh, he was so, like, but did you eventually go you in? Yes. So we circled back around. We circled back around and we saw some other people with heels and little dresses. And what, you know, especially a lot of these clubs, what happens a did lot of times. Did you see the security guards? Well, what do you mean the security guards? Oh, no. Well, I, I, what I, I saw was people, no. but they, um, they came in street clothes and then they changed when they got there. Changed, oh, okay. So that yeah. is very common, but you don't necessarily know that in the beginning. And that's the other thing I do tell people about dressing. I myself to this day, I take wardrobe changes. So mm-hmm. I dress what I feel like I want to show up in. And I know I might start feeling more risque later in the night. And so mm-hmm. I have, these are tiny clothes. So they fit well <laughs> in any kind of handbag. Yeah. And so I bring wardrobe changes and I, I'm, I often change two or three times in a night because I do the same thing. Um, I always, especially a club, I have a trench coat that I just bought on Amazon and I always cover my outfit leaving the hotel because I, I want to be respectful of families and anybody else that had, and you know, and plus I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Um, and then I take my jacket off when I get there and then I usually have multiple outfits to change into, I do want to talk about when, so I had only been to like one or two swinger clubs before I met Dan. And so when we started dating and started really being active and going to swinger clubs and going to hotel takeovers, he really encouraged me to dress sexy and look sexy. And he, in his mind, he thought I was beautiful and he wanted me to like, he wanted to show me off and he wanted me to feel as confident or see myself the way that he saw me. And in his eyes, he was just trying to build my confidence. In my eyes, I felt pressured to dress a certain way because I felt like that's what he wanted. He wanted me to look like these other girls and he wanted me to dress like them. And I just wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. And so that was definitely like- We clashed over that. We clashed over that. I'm like, Lacey, you're hot. Like where- 
you know, lingerie essentially to these clothes. Yeah. He's like, she, go butt ass naked. She, she's no. like trying to wear like PTA dresses. And I'm like, baby, you're beautiful. Like you're hotter mm-hmm. than 99% of the girls here. Like, and I had to learn that, that her feeling comfortable in, in the outfit, regardless of how sexy she, she is, was more important than necessarily. And like one time. Like I was doing more harm than good. Like I think were, I'm trying yes, to build her up yeah, to yes. sexy and I want her to dress sexy. Yeah. When really when I make her not make her but when I encourage her to dress sexy and, and it's not within her comfort zone it just made the night more awkward because like, she felt uncomfortable the whole time one time I took a picture of a dress because we weren't together at the time and sent it to him and he sent it to all of our friends and was like basically like look how sexy she is she doesn't need to wear this she needs to wear, sorry I had the drink she needs to wear something super sexy and I was mortified mm. I would just was like if I could crawl under a rock and what he didn't realize is if he just left me alone and let me kind of come to terms come into it on, our own, yeah. on my own, I would have done it a lot quicker. Just like you said, me walking into the swinger club versus me leaving is two totally different yes. people. You yes, know, like totally. that those first few steps in is terrifying. And I know for men as well, but women, we are half dressed. Yes. Most of the time we're in our thirties. We've had children, you know, maybe things aren't where it used to be. I don't know. I just, so I think that's important to touch on. I think it's important for men to hear that. And I think it's important for women to hear that it's okay. Yes. That everybody there is self-conscious. The other um, thing I want to insert we all here. Have a, yeah, the other thing I want to insert here is the body positivity that really happens in these clubs. Yeah, because, I was going to ask for that next. Yep. Um, actually, I actually had a client the other day, and I think this is such a great point because they're older. And they're like, well, we're really interested in getting into this. But he's like, I see all these ads for these sex clubs and on the mm-hmm. swinger sites mm-hmm. and all the things. And he's like, we don't look like that. <laughs> Yeah, and I said, "Did you tell him nobody does?" Yeah, I was like, "These are yeah. models, and usually stock photography that you're seeing." Yeah, and these clubs are full of real people from yeah, are mm-hmm. one percent of the people that hot maybe, but you're also mm-hmm. going to see the entire spectrum of body types and ages and all the things, and that's one thing for people to expect. Also, if they're hoping they're going to walk into this whole club of hot people that look like the ads, because that's mm-hmm. not happening. I just want everyone to know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the, well, the really healthy flip side of that is it is a very body positive environment and you don't 100%. have to look perfect. And dressing to your sexiest is how sexy you want to feel, how you feel, how the sexiest you feel. And if your body is you know, in a different place than you want it to be. I would say, and Lacey, you can agree or disagree that this is another thing that comes out of lifestyle is you get more comfortable with your body. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I Well, and a lot of people t- take more better care of their body. You yeah. Know I mean? like, Cause yeah. people are seeing you naked yeah. other than your husband. I feel yeah. like it encourages you to like be more active and like, take care of yourself and look nice and kind of present yours almost like if you think back to when you and not everybody just dates in their 20s i know we all date throughout our lives but like think back to when you were younger and you were going on dates and you were trying to impress people it's kind of like you and your spouse get to do that again but together yes like you can help him pick out outfits he can help you um you can make sure you each look good so it it can be fun to do and, and i think the lifestyle kind of encourages yeah. them. And just about everybody I know that have entered the lifestyle style 
probably feels more confident and sexy in the body that they're in after you know after being in the lifestyle yeah. for a while than they did when they entered it Absolutely. which is such a positive thing i don't think it yeah. gets talked about enough. i feel more confident now like pushing 40 than i did in my 20s like 20s i just feel like more of like a self-acceptance of myself mm-hmm. than i did then and i think the lifestyle is really um brought that out of me i think you see all types of people and my favorite people to see at a swinger club or a resort a lot of resorts you see a lot of this is the person that does not care they're just happy to be there yeah they don't care what size they are what they look like they they got it all out on display and they're having a blast Mm -hmm. and that to me that type of like person is infectious and i want to be friends with people like that Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what makes the environment. So like when I was talking about reasons for going into lifestyle at the very beginning of this, I said one of the things is just the social scene. Some people are just attracted to the social scene because Mm -hmm. it is a very accepting, fun, positive Mm -hmm. crowd. So I totally get that. Even if people don't want to play, I think um, it's definitely a reason to, to hang out in the clubs. I've always said that, like if we decided that we no longer wanted to swing, I would still want to be around yes, the people in the environment just because everyone is so accepting and loving and it's just a good time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we're almost out of time, but I do want to touch on this last question a little bit because I, I think it is an important one. Um, let's Can we just talk a little bit about reality versus expectations? And I think we, we did that a little bit when we talked about like if you walk into a club, it's not going to be a, a big orgy. Um, but I also think people think, okay, I'm going to go swing and I'm going to have sex with this couple and it's going to be amazing. Everybody's going to, everybody's dicks are going to be hard and it's going to be like a porno and we're all going to fuck and come and squirt. And it's just going to be the greatest experience I've ever had in my life. Um, when in reality, I don't think that, I think we think that in our minds, but that's that not necessarily always what, what happens. And I think it's, it's important to kind of acknowledge that. Well, it's not always what happens and it can happen. And people hear about it on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. And so I, to, yeah. be, to be fair, and I mean, my husband and I do the same thing. To be fair, we create the expectation a little bit because we have these amazing experiences and they are amazing. And then we share it with people. And of course they mm-hmm. want that. But I think the point is that like, that's not every time. And we've all had a lot of like, We've been rejected. We've had nights mm-hmm. that, you know, we don't feel well. We have nights that like, we don't like seeing our partner with somebody else. So we go home early. <laughs> and that yeah. is the reality that it's kind of a, it's kind of a day-to-day thing. Like, um, and when I, when I talk about agreements with couples, I also, you know, they're so worried about the agreements to make. I'm like, it doesn't really matter that much. You're going to change them constantly. Like, mm-hmm you might get more comfortable with things. You might get less comfortable with things. You might have a night that like, Hey, I know usually I'm fine with X, but like, I don't want X tonight because I'm just not feeling it. Like they're going to change constantly. And so that also is kind of your lever for like having good experiences that can lead you into the amazing experiences, but it's certainly not going to be every time. No. And truth be told, because you did say that we hear about in the podcast, we have had bad experiences. We've had people that couldn't get hard or yeah. girls weren't into it. But truth be told is a lot of what we talk about on the podcast is our friends. And we care about our friends more than 
hurting them on the internet. And that's just the truth. Yeah. Like if somebody that I'm really good friends with can't get hard, I'm not going to go on the podcast and yeah. be like, well, we wanted to fuck, but. So-and-so couldn't get hard. Yeah, because <laughs> I just value those friendships more than the ratings on the podcast. I mean, we do try really hard to keep it authentic. And we've talked about times where, you know, like we've been rejected and things don't happen. But the truth is it happens to everybody. It's ha- You know, Dan's had times where things didn't work. And I've had times where I just wasn't feeling it or I wasn't feeling the girl for whatever reason. Maybe I was just in my own headspace. So it happens to everybody. No one's excluded from that situation. Yeah, I think that is important. And, it, you know, it is something that we – not. I don't want to say we struggle with it, but it definitely is – it's hard to when you have a bad experience to talk about it because usually you know the people that you had mm-hmm. a bad experience with or you're friends with them or somehow you're associated. So it's it's hard to call people out, so to speak, mm-hmm. on the podcast. We don't really want to do that. Sure. We try to have honest conversations, especially when it's me. Like, you know, on the Bliss Cruise, I had problems that one yeah. night getting a, a hard on. So we, we try to insert that as much as we can. But I do think you're right that, you know, most podcasters, even most TikToker, you know, most influencers, people that are public and talking about the, the lifestyle tend to highlight positive mm-hmm. things and not necessarily the negative things yeah uh, which, and as a person that does that it's easy to do that because you, you again you don't want to talk negatively about people that are, are ultimately your friends and yeah. even if you meet somebody and you're having drinks and typically when you meet somebody and you're like how'd you get in the lifestyle tell me you know and you start sharing experiences most people share the like really cool awesome experiences mm-hmm. we don't say yeah uh, we were trying to fuck Chad last weekend because Dick couldn't get hard. You know, we don't <laughs> typically do that. You typically share the good and not the bad. So I think that's why a lot of people hear all the good. And then when something, you know, unfortunate happens, they're like, what the hell? I didn't know. <laughs> I thought it was going to be all orgies and squirting. Yeah, it's not all orgies and squirting. Sometimes it is orgies and squirting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's yes. a lot of like normal in between. And mm-hmm. I say normal, you know, their performance issues are mm-hmm. abound and all, you know, there are all kinds of different things that happen. And again, it's like going out to a dance club or going out anywhere else. Like you're going to have good nights and bad nights. And as long as you accept that and don't go home so disappointed because like, oh, we must be doing something wrong. Like, no, these these amazing orgy experiences or whatever people are going after, they it comes with practice in a way and, mm-hmm. and some magic. Like you, you, yeah. you can try to create these events or things that you want that to happen. And it just may not. It's like, that's kind of the magic of the whole thing is ending up in these situations where you're like, Oh my God, is this really happening? Is this really mm-hmm. happening? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I don't, you, you can probably, really, I know for us, our experiences have gotten better and better the more we build like a core group of friends that we trust yeah. and, 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 you know what I mean? And are comfortable with the more, you know, the longer we've been in the lifestyle and the more we've kind of, um, develop friendships, develop those yeah. friendships. I think the better and better our experiences have gotten. Yeah. When you just walk into a swinger club, it's hard to like meet five or six couples that yeah. you all, all are on the same page. You all have the same boundaries you, and you all end up in an orgy room together. Almost and, impossible. And magic happens the bulk of our situations are like a friend group that we've all played right. it's, individually. It's, it's years yeah. of growth that yeah. have got us to that mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah. Which, yeah. So if you were new to the lifestyle or just watching from the outside, I could see where that could be misleading. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't mean to insinuate that you only highlight, because I do hear your no, very no, no, honest I- stories <laughs> and I do appreciate that. And I, I no, do actually I think that most that. of us that are 
you know, putting ourselves in kind of lifestyle education box, we do try to be as honest as possible. And also people are going to see what they want to see and hear what they want to hear. And yeah. Like, I didn't think that. I just yeah. thought it was a good opportunity to talk about that because I think we, we don't typically talk about it. Right. And to be honest, there has been criticism not from you, but from our podcast, from other podcasts that we um, filter some of our things. Mm. And we 100% do. Like we've never denied that there are experiences that we choose not to talk about Mm -hmm. or situations that we don't talk about for the sake of the friendships um, because those come before any of this. Yeah, absolutely. So so it's just a good opportunity (laughs) to take advantage. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we went a little bit over on time, but uh, I think that's okay because I think we talked about a lot of yeah. a lot of good things, and there was a lot there was a lot crammed in there too. Yeah, to just a, a lot of good information. An hour, so we, we appreciate you uh, coming on, Lauren. If people are interested in you and your counseling and your coaching and your seminars and, and your getaways, how how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, probably the easiest thing is going to my website, which is swinginglifestylecoach.com. Everything is there. Um, I also that's have. A great, that's a great URL, by the way. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I also have an SDC group, and that one is under the name, the profile name, Swinging Coach. Same profile name on Cassidy, Swinging Coach, and I have a community there. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as the lifestyle, our Swinging Lifestyle Coach uh, profiles on there. So I'm pretty easy to find because I'm pretty much the same name everywhere. Um, but. Uh, websites probably where you're going to find the most information. And I have a blog on there, which can be really helpful for newbies and kind of learning some of the dynamics and stuff like that. Yeah. And you can also find Lauren on the, our discord server. I was going to say she's written for the magazine in there. You can read her articles on alt life magazine. She's, she's been a big part of the swinger. Yeah. And I'm swinging lifestyle coach on the discord server as well. So, Oh, awesome. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. This was a great conversation. And uh, it might be, I feel like we could probably do more of these. I think yeah. there's so much more to talk yeah, about. Yeah, there so, is a lot more. Uh, All right. We appreciate well, I look that. forward to it. All right. I think with that, in a world full of apples. Be the pineapple. Be the pineapple, guys. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed our podcast and want to support us, leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. If you want to see more of our content, you can find links to Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans, and more in the show notes. Come join the conversation with us and other Swinger content creators on our Swinger Society Discord server. If you have questions or feedback, email them to us at theswingnation at gmail.com. Make sure you head on over to theswingnation.net and keep up to date on all things Swing Nation. We thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.